Hey everybody, it's Nathaniel Avila working reporting from Dallas County and I'm who am I here with? Hey, it's Han you. Hello. Oh, you, you what are we talking about today? I believe we are doing part 2 on the mysteries of ISIS. That's right. We're about to talk about the rights it's themselves of the mysteries of ISIS. So do you want to like do a little recap of what uh, we've covered so far in the mysteries of ISIS. Um, uh, so secret society with secret rules. Only those who have been told by a friend of a friend who get invited to said rules can actually do anything in it, and barely anyone knows about it. Someone possibly blabbed during one of the drunken debauchery things that happened. Painted a picture of possibly someone that was in the secret society but we're not quite sure if that's true or not because that's the mystery of isis and we're just wondering if any of the rules and deities that focus around it plus it has something to do with demeter and a few other gods from greek and roman mythology that's correct so yeah huh clear as mud okay. there we go recap yeah. So now we're going to talk about the rites themselves. So the initiation was, and I quote, performed in a manner of voluntary death and salvation obtained by favor. Now only Isis herself could determine who should be initiated and when. Thus, Lucius only begins preparing for the mysteries after Isis appears to him in a dream. The implication of that Isis was thought to command her followers directly is supported by Pausanias, a Greek writer in the same area as Apuleius, or Apulelius, who said no one was allowed to participate in Isis's festivals in her shrine at Titoria <clears throat> without her inviting them in a dream. So, uh, and by dis inscriptions in which priests of Isis write that she called them to become her servants. And, Apo and Apole uh, Apole uh, Apuleius's description, the goddess also determines how much the initiate must pay to the temple to undergo the rites. So, priests in uh, Lucius's initiation read the procedure for the rite from a ritual book kept in the temple that is covered in unknown characters, some of which were shapes of all sorts of animals, while others were ornate and abstract. The use of the book for, for ritual purposes such as um, was much more common in Egyptian religion than in Greek or Roman tradition. And the characters in this book were often thought to be hieroglyphs or heretic, which the eyes of Greek and Roman worshippers would emphasize the Egyptian background of the rite and add to its solemnity. Now, David Frankfurter, a scholar in ancient Mediterranean religions, suggests that they are akin to the deliberately unintelligible magical symbols that were commonly used in Greco-Roman magic. So, that that's going on. Now, before the initiation proper, Lucius must undergo a series of ritual peripherations. The priest bathes him, asks the gods for forgiveness on his behalf, and sprinkles him with water. 
This confession of and repentance for past sins fits with an emphasis on chastity and other forms of self-denial found in any other sources about the Isis cult. Lucius next has to wait 10 days while abstaining from meat and wine before the initiation begins. Purifying baths were common in many rituals across the Greco-Roman world. The plea for forgiveness may derive from the oaths that Egyptian priests were required to take, in which they declared themselves to be free of wrongdoing. So the sprinkling with water and the refraining from certain foods probably come from the purification rituals that Egyptian priests had to undergo before entering the temple. On the evening of the 10th day, Lucius receives a variety of unspecified gifts from fellow devotees of Isis before donning the clean linen robe and entering the deepest part of the temple. So what do you think about these initiation rites so far? Interesting as of now, I mean, you have to get invited by Isis in a dream. Mm -hmm. Sounds kind of interesting. How would you know you got invited by her without specific things, I guess? I could ju could I just say that ISIS told me to in a dream? How are they going to verify that? True. Very true. <laughs> would you be able to undergo these rituals? Uh, depends on what my status is in this time frame. Because, I mean, if I have to pay... A specific amount, depending on what Isis has told the high priest to pay, what amount can I pay it to get in? Okay. What? Are, yeah, because it's really up to the priests. They can say whatever they want. Um, so let's see what else we got. So the description of what happens next is deliberately cryptic. Now, Lucius reminds the reader that the uninitiated are not allowed to know the details of the rites before describing his existence in vague term oh his experience in vague terms so this is what he has to say so i came to the boundary of death and having trodden the threshold of prosper uh prosper uh prosperpina i traveled through the elements and returned in the middle of the night i saw the sun flashing with bright light I came face to face with the gods below and the gods above and paid reverence to them from close at hand. So that's that's what he has to say. Now in a series of paradoxes, Lucius travels to the underworld and to the heavens, sees the sun amid the darkness and approaches the gods. Many people have speculated about how the ritual may have simulated these impossible experiences. The bright sun Lucius mentions might have been a fire in the darkness, a feature known to have existence, exist, existed at the climax of the Eleusinian mysteries. So the gods he saw face to face may have been statues or frescoes of deities. Some scholars believe that the initiation also entailed some kind of reenactment of or reference to the death of Osiris, but if it did, Apuleius's uh, text does not mention it. So, what do you think about that? I mean, you're supposed to be keeping things secret. Keep things secret. Okay. Don't mention it. Don't know it. Don't think about it. Okay. So, so do you think that the uh, the scholars 
are correct that it was like a fire instead of like the literal sun? Uh, it's a possibility. Okay. I mean, yeah. what we consider the sun and what people in ancient times consider the sun. I mean, to them, fire was just a small portion of what we got from the sun that we created. But uh-huh. it's still part of the sun. And when we snuff it out, it goes back to the sun. Oh, okay. Well, let's continue on. So Lucius emerges from this from this experience in the morning, and the priest dresses him in an elaborately embroidered cloak. He then stands on a dias, uh, dais, carrying a torch and wearing a crown of palm leaves, uh, decorated in the likeness of the sun and set up in the gauze of a statue. As Apuleius describes it. The priests draw back curtains to reveal Lucius to a crowd of his fellow devotees. During the next three days, Lucius enjoys a series of banquets and sacred meals with his fellow worshippers completing the initiation process. So, there's that's that. After this initiation, Lucius moves to Rome and joins, to the, joins its main temple to the goddess, the Isium Compense. <clears throat> Urged by more visions sent by the gods, he undergoes two more initiations, incurring more expenses each time, such as having to buy a replacement for the cloak he left behind at uh, Sencre. These initiations were not described in as much detail as the first. The second is dedicated to Osiris and is said to be different from the one dedicated to Isis. And Apuleius calls it the nocturnal mysteries of the foremost god, but gives no other details. The second initiation may be dedicated to both Isis and Osiris. And before this initiation, Lucius has a vision where Osiris herself speaks to him, suggesting that he is the dominant figure in the rite. <clears throat> At the novel's end, Lucius had been admitted to a high position in the cult by Osiris, and he is confident that the god will ensure his future success in his work as a lawyer. I hope he gets. He hope he passes the bar. So, what do you think? So that those are the rights. Hmm. Yeah, definitely hope that you pass. <laughs> do you think this will help him be a better lawyer? I doubt. You doubt it? <laughs> okay, so now that you hear the rights, would you actually do the rights? I mean, why not? What I have to lose? As long as I have permission from the goddess Isis. Yeah, but have you won't I be. I had my dream vision saying yeah. that I am welcome to join her underworld. Mm-hmm. But you will, you will have to uh, fast for a bit. Fasting is just one small step to getting to being part of the secret society. Okay. So let's talk about its significance. So most mystery rites were connected with myths about the deities on which they focused and claimed to convey the two initiates details about the myths that were not generally known. Several Greco-Roman writers produced theological and philosophical interpretations spurred by the fragmentary evidence modern 
scholars have often tried to discern that these mysteries may have meant to their initiates. The classicist Hugh Bowden argues that there may have been no single authoritative interpretation of the rites and that the desire to identify the, mo the lost secret, something that once is, it is correctly identified, will explain what a mystery cult was all about and is bound to fail. He regards the effort to meet the gods directly, exemplified by the climax of Lucius's initiation, as the most important feature of the rites. The notion of meeting the gods face-to-face -face contrasted with classical Greek and Roman beliefs in which seeing the gods, uh, <clears throat> though it might be an awe-inspiring experience, could be dangerous and even deadly. <gasps> in Greek mythology, mm. for example, the sight of Zeus's true form incinerated the, war the mortal woman Semele, yet Lucius's meeting with the gods fits with a trend found in several religious groups in Roman times toward a closer connection between the worshiper and the gods. So yeah, how, would he, how did he manage to do this? I mean, when you see a god, especially one as Zeus, trying to get something from a young, innocent woman, you tend to, if it's not in another form, in just its pure technical form, burst into flames. Okay. Because of the awesomeness that you cannot perceive as the human being that you are. Right. But, um... What is it? The uh, uh, the scholars earlier said that they might have just been statues that they looked at, and not the gods themselves. Well, if we got to go by Disney Hercules, statues to possibly come alive and talk to you <laughs> if you are the chosen. Yeah, that's the golden standard. Are you the chosen? <laughs> Probably not. Okay. So the elements that Lucius passes through the first initiation may refer to the classical elements of earth, air, fire, and water that were believed to make up the world or to regions of the cosmos. The religious studies scholar uh, Ponayotis uh, Pachis suggests that the word, <coughs> word refers specifically to the planets in Hellenistic astrology. Astrological themes appeared in many other cults in the Roman Empire, including another mystery cult dedicated to Mithras. <clears throat> in the Isis cult, uh, Pachis writes, astrological symbols may have alluded to the belief that Isis governed the movements of the stars and thus passage of time in order of the cosmos beliefs that Lucius, re <laughs> beliefs that Lucius refers to when praying to the goddess. So let's go on to the Egyptian side. So in the ancient Egyptian beliefs are one possible source for understanding the symbolism in the mysteries of Isis. J. Gwynne Griffiths, an Egyptologist and classical scholar, extensively studied Book 11 of the Golden Butt <laughs> and its possible Egyptian background in 1975. So he pointed out similarities between the first initiation and the Egyptian afterlife beliefs. 
saying that the initiate took the role of Osiris by undergoing symbolic death. In his view, the imagery of the initiation refers to the Egyptian underworld, the Duat. Griffiths argued that the sun in the middle of the night in Lucius's account of the initiation may have been influenced by the contrast of light and dark in other mystery rites, but it derived mainly from the de uh, depictions of the underworld in Egyptian funerary texts. According to these texts, the god Ra passes through the underworld each night and unites with Osiris to emerge renewed. It is just as deceased souls do. The five scholars who authored a 2015 commentary on Book 11 cautioned that the solar and underground imagery could be based solely on Greek and Roman precedents, and they doubt Griffith's assertion that Lucius undergoes a mythical union with Osiris. So what is your opinion on that? Do you think Lucius undergoes a mythical union with Osiris? I mean, if it's part of the ritual, ritual and I need to do it to be part of the group, then I will feel my own body and prepare to welcome the goddess in. Okay. You would do that? Again, I'm trying to get into this ritual so I know what the hibbub is about being in the secret society that I'm not allowed to talk about just so that I can possibly talk about it with someone I know who's in it. Right. So, uh, in the course of the book, as Valentino Gasparini puts it, Osiris explicitly stretches out of Osi Isis's hands in the role of the supreme being and replaces her as the focus of Lucius' devotion. Osiris's prominence... Uh, in uh, keeping with other evidence about the Isis cult in Rome, which suggests that it adopted themes of image and themes and imagery from Egyptian funerary religion, and gave an increasing uh, prominence to Osiris in the late first and early second centuries A.D. In contrast, Serapis, whose identity largely overlapped with that of Osiris who was frequently worshipped jointly with Isis, is mentioned only once in the text. In the description of the festival pro uh, procession, Jamie Alvar considers the text to treat Serapis and Osiris as distinct figures, whereas the authors of the 2015 commentary doubt that Apuleius is meant to sharply distinguish the two. They point out that Lucius refers to Osiris using epithets that were given the that were often given to Serapis. Gasparini argues that the shift in focus of the book reflects the belief that Osiris was the supreme being and Isis was intermediately between him and humanity. This interpretation is found in the essay on Osiris and on Isis and Osiris by Plutarch, which analyzes the Osi Osiris myth based on Plutarch's own Middle Plotinist philosophy. And Gasparini suggests that Apuleius shared Plutarch's views. Stephen Harrison suggests that the sudden switch of focus from Isis to Osiris is simply a satire of grandiose claims of religious devotion. Do you think it's a satire on grandiose religious devotion? I mean, to be honest, 
if you're not invited to a secret society or any kind of upper class society, regardless, yeah, you kind of make fun of things that you don't know just to get under someone's skin so that they'll tell you, no man, this is real because we do such and such. Okay. Really? So what do you think about the whole shift between ISIS to Osiris? I mean, if picture, if I can remember my Roman mythology or Egyptian, yeah, mythology, Egyptian mythology, isn't he the husband of Isis? Yes, he is. So, I mean, to an extent, wouldn't you want to know who's worship worship worshiping your wife in the best taste ever by? taking over and evaluating anyone who comes into contact with her followers. You think that's the reason? Men in any type of mythology that are God-based, with exception of a few, are always jealous of their females getting more worshippers than themselves. That is, that is true. So let's talk about the commitment to the cult. If you want to join the cult, you got to know what that entails. So, because not all local cults of ISIS held mystery rites, not all of her, devote, her devotees would have undergone initiation. So that's that. So both Apuleius' story and Plutarch's On Isis and Osiris, which briefly refers to initiates of ISIS, suggest that initiation was considered part of a larger process of joining the cult. And... Uh, dedicating oneself to the goddess so the isis cult like most of the greco-roman world was not exclusive was not exclusive worshippers of isis continue to revere other gods as well so devotees of isis were among very the very few religious groups in the greco-roman world to have a distinctive name for themselves loosely equivalent to jewishum jewish or christian that might indicate they define themselves by their exclusive devotion to the goddess. However, the world uh, Isaacus or Isaac or Isaac was rarely used. And the level of commitment it implied seems to have varied among according to the circumstances. Uh, many priests of Isis affiliated in other, uh, in other cults as well. So several people in the late Roman times, such as the aristocrat Vesius, Agorius, Praetextus, which were uh, joined multiple priesthoods and underwent several initiations dedicated to different gods. Mystery initiations thus did not require devotees to abandon whatever religious identity they originally had, and they would not qualify as religious conversions under a narrow definition of the term. Some of these initiates, initiations did involve smaller changes in religious identity, such as joining a new community of worshippers or strengthening devotees' commitment to a cult of which they already were already part. That would qualify as conversions in a broader sense. Many ancient sources, both written by Isaacs and by oh Isaacs and by outside observers, suggest that many of Isis's devotees considered the hair focus of their lives and that the cult emphasized mural purity. 
<clears throat> self-denial and public declarations of devotion to the goddess. Joining Isis's cult was therefore a sharper change in identity than in some other mystery cults in which the cult dedicated to diet such as uh, such as the cult dedicated to Dionysus. The account uh, suggests that initiation may have been classifiable as a mythical conversion, characterized by visionary experiences, intense emotions, and dramatic change in the convert's behavior. Whereas, for, in for instance, the evidence about Mithraism suggests that the process of joining it was less mystical and more intellectual. So, would you be able to do that kind of commitment? Commitment of mystical things, but I don't switch whatever my original religion is. You kinda, yeah. Yeah, I could probably do it. You Again, do it? I'm still trying to get in to know more about this mystery society that's happening. Okay. Okay. So. Let's continue. So, the novel does not say how initiation may have affected the devotee's rank within the cult. <clears throat> Where's the... Oh, yeah, rank within the cult. After going through his third initiation, Lucius becomes a past pastaphoros, a member of a particular class of priests. If the third initiation was a requirement for becoming pastaphoros... It is possible that members moved up in the cult of hierarchy, cult hierarchy by going through a series of initiations. Apuleius refers to initiates and to priests as if they were separate groups within the cult. Initiation may have been a prerequisite for a devotee to become a priest, but not to have authentically, automatically made him or her into one. So let's talk about its connection to the afterlife. Ooh. Want to know about the afterlife? Of course. Okay. So many pieces of evidence suggest that the mysteries of Isis were connected in some way to salvation and the guarantee and the guarantee of an afterlife. The Greek conception of the afterlife included a paradox uh, paradis, uh, parad, uh Elysian fields Oh, paradisi uh, paradisical Elysian fields and philosophers developed ideas about the immortality of the soul. But Greeks and Romans expressed uncertainty about what would happen to them after death. In both Greek and Roman traditional religion, no god was thought to guarantee a pleasant afterlife to his or her worshippers. The gods in some mystery cults may have been exceptions, but evidence about those cults afterlife beliefs is vague. Apuleius' account, if it is accurate, provides stronger evidence for Isaac, after, Isaac afterlife beliefs than is available for the other cults. The book says Isis's power over fate, which her Greek and Roman devotees frequently mentioned, gives her control over life and death. According to the priest who initiates Lucius, Devotees of Isis who had finished her lifespan and were already standing in the threshold of light's end. 
if they would if they <clears throat> if only they could safely be trusted with the great unspoken mysteries of the cult were frequently drawn bleh, well frequently drawn forth by the goddess's power and a matter reborn through her providence and set once more in the course of renewed life in another passage isis herself says that when lucius dies he will be able to see her shining in the darkness of the underworld and worship her there so there's that so let's talk about what the scholars have to say do you want to know what the scientists have to say oh, <laughs> so the some scholars are skeptical that the afterlife was a was a major focus of the cult historian ramsey mcmullen says that the characters in the novel call Lucius reborn. They refer to his new life as a devotee and never call him uh, eternally reborn, which could refer to the afterlife. The classicist Mary Beard, John North, and Simon Price say the novel shows that the cult of Isis had implications for life and death, but even so more emphasis is placed on expanding the extending the span of life than on the afterlife which is pictured in fairly uh indifferentiated terms some funerary inscriptions provide evidence of isaac afterlife beliefs outside apuleius's work they show that some of isis's followed followers thought she would guide them to a better afterlife but also suggest that the isis cult had no firm picture of the afterlife and that its members drew upon both Greek and Egyptian precedents to envision it. Some inscriptions say that devotees would benefit from Isis Osiris's enleavening water, while others refer to the fortune, uh, fortunate isles uh, of Greek tradition. None of them make specific reference to mystery rites, although the inscription... Uh, Menekites uh, asserts that he is blessed in part because of his work furnishing the ritual beds. Initiation may not have been considered necessary for receiving Isis's blessing. So the ancient Egyptians believe that Osiris lived in the Duat after death, thanks in part to Isis's help. And that after their deaths, they would they could be revived like him with the assistance of other deities, including Isis. These beliefs may have carried over to the Greco-Roman Isis cult, although the myth of Osiris's death was rarely ref referred to in the Greco-Roman Isis cult, and may not have played a major role in its belief system, even if the no nocturnal union of Osiris and Ra did so. If the symbolism in Lucius's first initiation was a reference to the sun in the Egyptian underworld, it would indicate that it involved Osirian afterlife beliefs, even though Osiris is not mentioned in the inscription of the rite. As the classicist Robert Chorkan put it, when Lucius is revealed to the crowd after his initiation, he is honored almost like a new Osiris, saved and regenerated through the insufferable powers of Isis, the palms radiating from his head, head were signs of the sun triumphing over death. So what do you think about that? Hmm. I mean, 
I don't think I have any true thoughts at the moment. <laughs> like, so do you think that that ISIS does help with a with an afterlife? I mean, it's a possibility <gasps> that she does help with the afterlife. Mm-hmm. Do you want to know how uh, this uh, group influenced, uh, possibly influenced Christianity? I mean, let's see how this group helped Christianity. This should be fun and interesting to know about. Yeah. So the mysteries of Isis, like those of other gods, continue to be performed into the late 4th century AD. Toward the end of the century, Christian emperors increasingly restricted the practice of non-Christian religions. Mystery cults died out near the start of the 5th century. They existed alongside Christianity for centuries before their extinction, and some elements of their initiations resembled Christian beliefs and practices. As a result, the possibility has often been raised that Christianity was directly influenced by the mystery cults. Evidence about interactions between Christianity and the mystery cults is poor, though, making the question difficult to resolve. Now, most religious traditions in the Greco-Roman world centered in a particular city or ethnic group that did not require personal devotion, only public ritual. In contrast, the cult of Isis, like Christianity and some other mystery cults, was made up of people who joined voluntarily out of their personal commitment to a deity that many of them regarded as superior to all others. Furthermore, if Isaiah uh, initiates were thought to benefit in the afterlife from Osiris's death and resurrection, this belief would parallel the Christian belief that the death and resurrection of Jesus makes salvation available to those who become Christians. So what do you think about that? Do you think that that has some basis? To be honest, no, that doesn't necessarily have any basis. <gasps> I feel like I know, right? <laughs> Me not almost offending anyone yeah. and being on inside, but I, I, that, I don't feel like there's enough connection there for Christianity to be in the secret cult or some of the secret cults helping start Christianity by those means. Nah, that one's a really good Okay. That's a ten foot pole trying to touch the light switch to turn it on from your seat across the room. Yeah. Well they have other more connections with for us. So oh. some scholars have specifically compared baptism to the Isaiah initiation described by Apuleius. Before the early fourth century AD, baptism was the culmination of a long process in which the convert to Christianity fasted for forty days of Lent before being immersed at Easter in the cistern or natural body of water. Thus, like the mysteries of Isis, early Christian baptism involved a days-long fast and washing ritual. Both fasting and washing were common types of ritual purification found in the religions of the Mediterranean and Christian baptism was specifically derived from the baptism of Jesus and the Jewish immersion rituals. Therefore, 
according to Hugh Bowden, these similarities are likely to come from the shared religious background of Christianity and the ISIS cult, not from the influence of one tradition upon the other. So, there's that. What do you think about that? Well, at least that's a little bit closer than Christianity. <gasps> Mitch, but not my much. Okay, so similar, similarly, the sacred meals shared by the initiates in many mystery cults have been compared to the Christian rite of communion. Uh, for instance, the classicist R.E. Witt called the banquet that included the Isaac initiation the pagan Eucharist of Isis and Serapis, feasts for which worshippers ate the food that had been sacrificed to a deity were nearly universal practice in Mediterranean religions and did not prove a direct link between Christianity and the mysteries of Isis, though. Now, most distinctive trait of, the, of a Christian communion, the belief that the God himself was the victim of the sacrifice was not present in the cult or in any other mystery cults. So, that was a, that, that's already... That's already debunked. Now, Bowden doubts that the afterlife beliefs were very important aspect to the mystery of to the mystery cults, and therefore thinks their resemblance to Christianity was small. Jamie Alvar, in contrast, argues that the mysteries of Isis, along with those of uh, Mithras and Sibylle, did involve beliefs about salvation and the afterlife that resembled those in Christianity, but they did not become similar by borrowing directly from each other only by adapting in similar ways to the greco-roman religious environment he says each cult found the materials it required in the common trough of current ideas each took what it needed and adapted these elements according to its overall drift and design so that's that's the comparison to christianity Ah, uh, yes. As if... No, no. I'm not going to get into that little bit. Really? Um, yes. Uh, you know, to be honest, there's enough religions out there that, of course, we borrow from so many others. There's no telling what's actually yours and what's actually, quote-unquote, borrowed. Yeah. So, yeah, that's pretty much it on the mysteries of Isis. So what do you think? What's your overall opinion on the mysteries of Isis? It's interesting. I don't mind being part of the secret society to make it to the next level as long as I have a calling from Isis herself that I can be part of her group. You think do you think uh, you'll be able to make it through the initiations? The fasting would be hard. The fasting would definitely be hard. But I am willing to make that sacrifice to know about my goddess Isis. Okay. To know her blessing upon me is as wonderful as I had imagined it the first time. Okay. In my dreams. In your dreams? Because Isis has to appear to you in a dream? Of course. Yeah. So yeah, that's the mysteries of Isis. Really interesting stuff. A little little bit of a little bit of history. Um mis mysterious history going on here. So 
yeah, that, that's the Mysteries of Isis. I've been Nathaniel Avila. And I'm Hanyu. And we'll see you guys next time. Bye. Bye. Thank you for listening to A Vision Podcast, home of Wacky Talkies, The Kingdom, Evil Exists, and many more. Thank you for listening to Vision Podcast, home of Wacky Talkies, The Kingdom, Evil Exists, and many more. Thank you for listening to Vision Podcast, home of Wacky Talkies, The Kingdom, Evil Exists, and many more.